0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the first day of February. I'm Paul White. Well, yesterday was the essay edition, and for the first time in essay edition history, I suppose, we've been doing this, the essays for, I think this is going into our fifth year. Uh, We do it the last day of every month, write an essay on something, um, and then read it to you, put it up in print form as well at our website. First time ever, we have decided this year to take the essay slot and wherever we are in the journey through the book of Mark, do an extended essay right there. Just dig in and take it into the different stream. Let the little different streams run and see where it takes us in the rest of the Bible. We did that with the Jesus and the paralytic man. That encompasses the first 12 verses of Mark 2. Mark 2 is where we are in our journey. So we're going to move past those first 12 verses... Which is a pretty quick run for us. That's what the essay edition kind of lets us do as well is is jump uh, on through and I love that story. I, I'm intrigued by everything about it. Um, so if you missed out don't. Go listen to yesterday's essay edition. It's a little longer, about 14 minutes, but we get into some good stuff in that story. We begin today in verse 13. He's just left the home in Capernaum where he's healed the paralytic man and he went out again by the sea and all the multitude came to him and he taught them. This becomes a habit in the gospels for Jesus because by sitting on a boat on the edge of the sea, let's say a docked boat, a boat tied up at the edge on the beach, um, the crowds could then assemble on the beach and the docks around him. Uh, also, the voice carries over water, and so even if he was, you know, a hundred feet, two hundred feet out, his voice would carry over the water, um, as it tends to do. If you've ever been on a boat across a lake, you can hear people talking. Um, You may not be able to make it out if it's too far away, but it certainly helps. And so that's the the reason for this whole, again, by the sea, the multitude came. It's not just like he's standing next to the water, but it's most likely that he gets in a boat and teaches. He passed by, in verse 14, and saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. I want to concentrate on this today. I think we can break this little section down into... Uh, a couple verses today, a couple verses tomorrow, and then Jesus' big statement at the end of the section. So we break it down into the call of Levi, the tax collector, uh, son of Alphaeus, and then we break it down into Jesus' conversation with Pharisees. Um, Let me start with this. There's a little bit of confusion if you're a Bible student or you got your Bible and you're thinking, who is this Levi, son of Alphaeus? If you're looking at the Matthew roster, Matthew chapter 9 lists the 12, and the the person named Matthew um, is listed as Levi in, in Matthew 9. Matthew is in Mark's list of the apostles from Mark chapter 3. We're not there yet, but way up in Mark 3, 18, you get Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, uh, which indicates Levi, son of Alphaeus, and James, son of Alphaeus, could most certainly be related, which means Matthew and the James that is listed there, that other James of the twelve, could be in some way relatives. It does appear that what we're dealing with, since Mark doesn't mention a Levi, and Matthew does mention a Levi, and Mark mentions a Levi, but he doesn't list him among the twelve. Confused yet? <laughs> That's what happens when you try to match some of these names up, but, it, but let's try to clear the clouds. It appears that Levi is surnamed Matthew, so it's possibly Levi Matthew. Um, it might be the equivalent of Paul White. It's my last name. And so there is a surname, or at least uh, what we come to call last names. They didn't look at it in quite that way. And it was Matthew that was the name that he becomes best known for. In fact, Matthew becomes the name of chronologically in our Bible, the first gospel. I, chronologically is not the right way to say that, but listed the first uh, gospel, Matthew. Chronologically, the first gospel is Mark. Um Levi is sitting at the tax office. New King James uses the phrase tax office. The better translation is probably tax booth. A tax booth was what it sounds like a, a small room or tent where a tax collector would set up, and they set up along the highway so that they could tax travelers and commerce. That was the thing. It wasn't just them running out going, hey, give me some money. They would tax commerce. They would be at the edge of bridges. So any bridge that you crossed in the Roman Empire was probably going to have a tax booth on one side or the other so that if you were bringing goods from one side of the empire to the other, there was a chance through local laws and customs that it could have been taxed. There was also tax booths set up at the edge of canals. The Romans would would dig water canals from one body of water to the other or from one river to the other. Canals were considered shortcuts. Most canals had a tax booth at the edge of the canal so that the ship had to pay some sort of toll tax that was that also leads to the Romans had helped develop toll roads, toll booths. We use the word booth to this day as a toll booth, a booth that sets at the edge of a road that you must pass the toll booth and pay in order to go onto the road. And now with video um, you you can't sneak past the toll booth because the video is going to catch your license plate and they're going to find your registration. They're going to send you a ticket or or a toll. And so there was no video in that those days, but there was an awful lot of toll booths. And so they sat at the edge of roads and canals and bridges. But here's one that you, that probably we don't recognize is that they often were, wherever there was a port, so wherever there was a fish port, There would be a toll booth anywhere that men brought their fish to the edge of the water to count them, to sell them. They couldn't do so without being taxed. There was a toll tax on the amount of fish that they would bring in. Roman taxes were collected by these agents, and these agents would bid for the right To collect taxes in a city, that agent would then pay the Romans whatever they bid, and then they could collect anything more for their own salary. So if they told Rome, I'll collect X percent, they had to collect the X percent. They could collect over that and pay themselves. The Romans expected that. The citizens of Rome expected that. But there was also a really strong temptation for them to get rich. So collect much more than what the people in the community thought was reasonable. In Judaism, a Jewish tax collector was absolutely despised because they were considered collaborators with the Romans. The Romans were the occupiers. A Jewish tax collector is trying to extract exorbitant fees from his own people. Um, We also have pretty clear indication that a tax collector was excluded from the religious life of the synagogue. They were not allowed to come in and listen to the readings, and they were also excluded from the temple. Jesus picks up Matthew as a disciple. Follow me. Matthew follows him. The interesting thing there is, could Matthew even go to synagogue to hear Jesus read, and could Matthew even go to temple? That's an interesting question we don't know the answer to, but Jesus doesn't seem reluctant to bring him on. We're going to go into Levi's house in tomorrow's podcast. See you then. God bless.